It takes more than using the word performant instead of fast to be a great software engineer. This is episode 313 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show about all of the non-technical stuff that goes into the technical field of software development. And I think deciding which word to use when you mean fast is non-technical. So this does fall within the scope of this of this podcast, I believe. Performant. Okay. JavaScript frameworks love to use the word performant instead of fast. And then I did some Googling and apparently it doesn't mean performant. It doesn't mean fast. It means like good. What? (laughs) Sufficiently. Oh, I mean, okay. Google says functioning well or as expected. Yeah, but they, uh, I feel like the, the context I see it used in is always like speed, speed. Yeah. And then it just, it's like fast, but worse it's a worse word than we need fast. to shift the culture so the word performant now means performance art <laughs> performed per, perform art <laughs> i don't know this card doesn't seem art. performant enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like you're just mumbling really badly <laughs> like you have some some strange local dialect accent or something yeah <laughs> Back on the old farm, we always said performart. These cows are not very performart. That's not what this show's about. It's not about cows, though, even though those are sort of non-technical. Do you want to only to the layperson? Yeah, that's true. There's there's probably a lot of technique and technology behind cows for sure. Okay, yes, I do want to thank our patients, our our patron, our patients. (laughs) Both, yes. Thank you for your patience. All right, let me just see if I can get this done really performantly. I mean, performantly. We have uh, weekly <laughs> shout-outs to Memester Josh, Owen Shartle, Craig Motlin, I Love Mavis, Mavis, The Stochastic Parrot, Andrew Pollock, Arunduna, Koshakton, Ohio, Patron.com.au, We're Hiring, Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, Testing is Documenting.org, Ola Dapafadi, Will Angel, My Neighbor Has Smelly Feet, Nick Hathaway, Travis Anders, Braden Keynes, Nick Cantar, John Grant, and Philip John Basile. Sorry, I read those. I... I, I Read them out of order, and my brain just refused to let me go. <laughs> ah, <laughs> if you would like to join these people who contribute <clears throat> so much, uh, man, the words are just, they're growing great today. <laughs> this is an example of perform art. Yes, welcome. <laughs> I hope you enjoy the performers. If you would like to join these people, go to softskills.audio and click the support us on Patreon button where you can contribute any dollar amount, which will get you an invitation to our Slack community, which is a very performant community, I would say. It is functioning well and as expected. Yes, it is. It is good. It is a good community. Yes. Yes, Yes, good. If you contribute at a level high enough, we will say your name or an emoji or any word in any language that is appropriate and safe for work that you choose every week on this show. And you can't put a dollar value on that. So you're coming out ahead no matter what oh, yeah. you contribute. Infinite ROI. Yes. Yes, yes. This episode is sponsored by Revelo, which is a great way to hire engineers for your team. And you will hear more about them in a bit. If you're dying to know more right now, you can go to revelo.com slash soft skills. All right. Shall I read our first question? Yeah, please do. Okay, this one comes from an anonymous listener who says, After six years at my first job out of college, I took the foolproof SSE advice and quit my job last year during the height of the pandemic. I landed at one of the, all this is, this is title case, big software companies, and learned that I negotiated very well for pay within my role, in large part thanks to this podcast. Yay! Hey, you're welcome. 
We've had a lot of people tell us, by the way, just a quick aside, we've had a lot of people tell us that they negotiated for higher pay. We have yet to receive a commission <laughs> check. I just want to throw that out there. Okay, continuing on. But I am I am way over... <laughs> Why is this funny, Jameson? It's funny because I titled this question, Parents Are Fighting... And this feels like a very parental guilt trip. Like, I'm not saying you owe me anything, <laughs> but you do owe me your life and existence. And I would appreciate a little gratitude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By way of commission yes. check. W- which is how... <laughs> I'm not mad. Yeah. Just disappointed. And that disappointment <laughs> can be can be assuaged through dollars. That's right. Okay, continuing on. I am way overqualified compared to my peers, and I should have attempted to come in at the next software engineering level. Oops. To get promoted, I need sign off from my fairly new manager and the very tenured principal engineer, or PE, who has historically run the team. My manager and the PE are frequently in disagreement and send me one-off slacks to make requests that are directly at odds with each other. I'm squarely aligned with my manager's prioritization, which frequently puts me at odds with the senior PE. Yikes. The senior PE frequently overlooks technical complexity and business context and gives far more technical opportunities to the men on the team. I don't like his mode of leadership and so do not want to mimic his style. Unfortunately, he's very respected by the VP plus level, so I worry that friction with him will swiftly crush my dreams of promotion. The parents are fighting. I'm caught in the middle and feel like I'm aligned with the side that is at a political disadvantage. Is there any hope of success for me unless they can magically start to get along? Hmm. So, wow, the parent trap is about making the parents fight. Uh-huh. So that they break up. I guess it's not the parents. Making making the mom and the stepdad fight, is that what it is? I'm just trying to think oh, of yeah. this feels like it's so close to plots of classic movies, but it's not. This is more just like a sad life experience that a lot of people <laughs> that has no Hollywood lessons to be learned. Yeah. How could this be? Nobody makes fun movies about kids whose parents get divorced and they have to pick between them. Where can we turn for moral fabric if not Hollywood? I mean, I, I feel like we're a ship oh. a ship without an anchor here. Well, next we go to the office, the <laughs> yeah. other source of age-old wisdom. Is there a hierarchy here? It's like sports movies, then action <laughs> movies, then the office. the office. Well, at the top of the, the list is always phrases my dad said a lot to me as a kid, <laughs> right. but uh, I don't think I listened very well. Just can't remember <laughs> any of them. Okay. Yeah. So getting getting back to the question, you've got a principal engineer who has to sign off on your promotion. You've got a manager who has to sign off on your promotion. And it's like the two key turns, you know, they have both keys have to turn at the same time, I think. Uh, yeah. If this is the company that I think it is, and I think I know what company it is, <laughs> the manager helps write the promotion, if not totally writes it, like the documentation, and the PE is one of several people who have to sign off. All it takes is a no from one PE to tank any promotion. Hmm. So that's that's the situation we're in here. Hmm. But your PE has bad technical ideas and no business context and little sexist. Yeah. And bad leadership style. <laughs> oh man, this is like this is no good. Yeah, have you have you tried being really bad and then maybe you'll win the approval of the principal engineer? If you can't beat him, join him? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like yeah, copy all those bad attributes. Well, it says principal engineer and then it says PE in parentheses afterwards. And I didn't add that. That was there in the original question, which makes me wonder, is this a principal engineer and also someone in private equity or <laughs> physical education? Oh, man. So many options. Yeah. Also, if you get the promotion, they will invest millions of dollars in you. <laughs> 
but your life but will, you have to make yourself worth yeah, yeah your life will be horrible <laughs> <laughs> right and you know why it's going to be horrible why they're going to they're going to tear you apart and sell the components <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to learn to get along with zero kidneys. <laughs> and they're going to lay off 40% of your fingers. Yeah. I. So uh, one other thing is this question is from about a year ago. And it says, I quit my job at the height of the ah. pandemic last year. And it's it wasn't. <laughs> we're still, we're still there. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone thought this was the height. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the foolproof SSE advice of quitting your job... Maybe that will age poorly as, as life goes on. Oh, yeah. Undoubtedly. Have you... Hmm. The only idea I have is just, like, tell these two people that you want to do well, but you're getting competing suggestions. I So so you say that the PE overlooks technical complexity in business context, gives more technical opportunities to the men on the team. That's awful and bad and... I, I, I'm going to skip past that for a second to talk about the first piece, which is it overlooks technical complexity in business context. Do, are they overlooking it? Are they abstracting over it? Or do they not know it? Like, I don't know. Part of me is, is hoping there's at least some amount of merit to this person's role and they're not just horrible at their job. And, and maybe they're overlooking technical complexity, for example, because it doesn't seem complex to them, to their their galaxy brain, right? <laughs> Everything looks simple when you have a galaxy brain. Yeah, I guess I guess the point of this is I wonder if there is either more context you can provide to the principal engineer, private equity person, or if maybe there's something that you are missing, right? Like maybe they have a different sense of technical complexity or business context, and you can learn some of that to understand their worldview a little bit better. Uh, don't learn to give more opportunities to the men on the team, though. Like that, <laughs> I, I'm trying to say like, See the world through their eyes a little bit more, except for that part, not that part. Hmm. Okay. You might disagree or have different perspectives on technical complexity, but it's possible that you could learn new information that that might be valid from their point of view, you know, instead of just dismissing it out hand. Yeah. I'm going to join you on this path for just a moment and, and explore it before I tell you my real advice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I have something to add to that. It is possible that this person has an uncalibrated view of what complexity really is at a big company. When you say this person, do you mean the question asker? The question yeah, asker, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. You know, in the question, it says that the, the PE ignores overly complex, uh, overlooks technical complexity. It could very well be that this PE has a higher tolerance for seemingly complex software solutions because of their experience as a PE at this big mega company. Yeah. And and what I mean by that is that sometimes the problems that need to be solved at these mega huge tech companies are so big in scale and sometimes complexity. But most of the problems I saw were easily stated, hard to solve. Meaning that mm. like the problem statement itself, the list of requirements, small. But the solution space is like huge, very challenging to to solve at whatever it is, high volume, large throughput, you know, things like that, low latency, yeah. these kinds of constraints that make com uh, sometimes seemingly unnecessary complexity actually necessary. So take that, you know, and, and, and see if that helps. And sometimes it just takes time to calibrate on that. Yeah, they mentioned, I think I cut this part out. They've been here nine months when they asked the question. So okay, I guess they, they probably have had some time and exposure with this person. 
Yeah, that, nine months is not very long at one of these big tech companies. I mean, it could very well be that after nine months, you still have an uncalibrated view of how much complexity is is too much complexity. Yeah, and and I I had that experience when I joined one of these big companies. I was like, what what what's the point of this? You know, and then I realized like, oh, saving five milliseconds on this API call is actually a huge deal. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, coming from a startup, I was like, we don't care about five milliseconds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like do not care. Yeah. But at a big techco, it's like, no, that's everything. Yeah. If, if it takes you more than five milliseconds of human time to fix, then it is a waste. Um, right. <laughs> so that that yeah. is the only, that's probably the only part of the question where I would say the question asker might not be calibrated right. Yeah. There, again, it's possible that this PE could just be bad at, at their job or, or. Is possible. But I think I'm assuming uh, just a little bit that there is some capability and skill here that, especially if they're recognized at the VP plus level, that, that could be very political, mm-hmm. but it, I'm assuming that there's some something to back that up, that they are actually good and capable at some things. And if you can find that common ground of where they are capable and, and where you like agree with them, then that's easier to work with on. So a- as in real life, when your parents are fighting, you get them together at a table, you sit down with both of them and say, listen, parents, I, six-year-old child, <laughs> I'm feeling pulled <laughs> in two directions by you. And I need you to align together so that I know what to do. The, this is a very perform art six-year-old. <laughs> a, a highly functioning six-year-old who can mediate conflict between yes. their two parent figures. Yeah, I, I think you right. need to talk to both of them about this uh, separately and maybe even together. But uh, your manager should know that you are getting one-off DMs from this performant engineer, principal engineer. Oh, that's what PE stands yeah, for. Yeah, I was trying to remember it. <laughs> And your manager should know, like, your manager is responsible for the output of the team. And if you're off doing stuff because this PE has asked you to that isn't kind of in alignment with their output, they're still going to be accountable for how you use your time. So they, they just need to know to do their job. But also, they might be able to help mediate between the stuff the PE is asking you to do and the stuff your manager is asking you to do. But they should be your partner in this, basically in helping to prioritize and, and align on what to work on and especially to mediate between like two different ideas of how to do stuff. And I think it's fair to say to the manager and to the PE, like, hey, I want to be promoted. And I don't know how that's going to happen if, if each of you are telling me opposite things and both of you have to say I did a good job. Like, how do I, right. how, how do, I do what is useful for this company and do it in a way that you will see the value in if, if you have very different perspectives of what I should do? Okay. So I have a different perspective on this one than you, yeah. Jameson. I'm curious to hear it because not all six-year-olds are as capable as I was when I had to do this <laughs> for my parents. <laughs> man, if you were that good at six, man, I just... It's been downhill it's since no then. No you're so I peaked, amazing as an adult. I peaked at six. <laughs> you peaked at six. <laughs> so I'm, I have, through context clues, I believe I know what company this is. Yeah. And... Knowing that informs my opinion a lot. Any other company, and I would go with what you said. Uh, But in this case, I think you basically have two options. You either have to get your manager to align with this principal engineer because the principal engineer is going to win. Or you're going to have to go find a new organization to get promoted in where there aren't roadblocks like this. Because I've, I've known many people who get stuck at a level unable to promote because of circumstances like this and it just happens sometimes you know being yeah getting promoted is not always 
strictly the effect of being an excellent contributor. It is yeah. also a, it is also a, a, an effect of your environment and the constraints that are on you in that environment. It's like it's like you're a plant that grows really well. Like you might be the best yeah. seed in the world, but if you're in a bad spot in the garden, then maybe you won't blossom. Yeah, like for example, if you're if you're a plant and you're anywhere in my care, <laughs> <laughs> then you're in trouble. Your days are spent in agony, yes. crying for death to come not, faster <laughs> as you slowly not dehydrate. Not reaching your potential. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just tear all my leaves uh, off and get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that those are your two options, I think. So, in the organization I'm thinking of, the principal engineer absolutely has the trump card and wins every time. Yeah. Your manager either needs to align to the principal engineer or not, and if they don't, that that manager's days are also numbered. That's interesting. You know, principal engineers, especially those that have like the VP respect levels, they run the technical show. So, if you're getting conflicting direction from a PE and your manager, mm. first of all, they do need to align, but what needs to happen is your manager needs to align to the PE. <laughs> That's just hmm. how it goes in in this particular organization. Having said that, and knowing that that might not be the case here, but if it is that that company, then that's my advice. Any other company, I think, go with what Jameson said. Get the two to talk to each other, reconcile the differences, and then you might have a fighting chance at promotion. Yeah. Well, have we answered it? I think so. Good luck. I do want to know if if Dave's sneaking suspicion about which company this is is, is correct. That'd be interesting to know how finely attuned your detector is. Hey, Jameson, have you heard how easy it is to hire engineers right now? Given infinite dollars, it is easy to hire engineers right now. <laughs> I don't have those. Yeah, it's tough. I want to recommend a company that helps you hire engineers in Latin America. It's called Revelo. Tell me about it. I've been hiring engineers in Latin America for the past two years, and they are awesome. I've worked with a few different companies who provide engineers from Latin America, but none of them were really great. I recently discovered Revelo. Revelo helps you find skilled software engineers in Latin America. They only provide full-time senior engineers with at least five years of experience. They don't force you to pay for things you don't need, like a project manager. This is really interesting. Their pricing is awesome because they charge a monthly fee. And you know how much they're paying the developers. So there's not a lot of indirection there, which is not common. Sometimes you get these opaque invoices and you have to figure out how much is actually going to the developer, how much is going to the, the company. They do the sourcing and the vetting, and you can interview the engineers before deciding if you want to work with them. And they take care of payroll and benefits, which is great. Yeah, I highly recommend hiring engineers in Latin America. It's a huge untapped market for a lot of U.S. companies. All of Ravello's engineers speak English, and the time zone is one of the big wins. If you're based in the United States, the Latin American time zones line up really well with U.S. time zones. You don't have that painful 24-hour turnaround problem when you have a question for an engineer on the other side of the world. Yeah. I worked with wonderful engineers that live on the other side of the world, and both of our lives were worse <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. of that. Someone's always up at midnight. So this is great. Check out Revelo today. You can go to revelo.com slash soft skills to check it out. That's R-E-V-E-L-O dot com slash soft skills. Okay, should I read our next question? Go for it. This is from an anonymous listener who says, I joined a small team as a developer a few years ago and was asked by management to help introduce some formal processes to the team to help us release a project that had been in the work for a number of years. With the team's buy-in, I introduced Scrum and started playing the role of Scrum Master and Product Owner. I may also be the development team's functional manager in the future. It seems that having the roles of developer, scrum master, I closed the question, developer, scrum master, product owner, and functional manager is too much for any one person to do well. 
with a primary role of functional manager, which of these other roles makes sense to hold on to? Which roles would be better to either hire replacements for or coach other team members to take over? Oh, wow. That's a lot of hats. It is. I tried to fit in haberdashery in here in like the <laughs> weird question title that we add on the on the that we publish. And then I found out haberdashery is generally like men's accessories, not just hats. I thought it was just hat making, but it's like Oh. It's like ties and other stuff, I think. And apparently the British definition is totally different. Yeah. Not surprising. Yeah. They probably add some UOs switched around in there too. <laughs> yeah. They want to do. So what are the roles here again? Let's recap. We got developer, scrum master, product owner, and functional manager. Yes. Yeah, that seems fine. Yeah. I mean. Why, why so Why so few? The standard head that fits four hats or four heads on one right. person. <laughs> so four different hats. Yeah. Four heads, four hats. No problem. I think in, in my experience, there's always some amount of hat wearing and juggling that comes with the role of when you say functional manager here i assume this means engineering manager but some of that role is like and do the stuff that isn't getting done that might be someone else's role or a different role in an ideal situation so some amount of of hat wearing or role juggling is inherent but this is a lot of roles yeah. and the most overwhelmed i've ever felt has been when i i i had the most roles to do myself and felt like i couldn't do any of them well at all so this is a bummer. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. I mean, developer, don't do that one. That's easy. Yeah, just let that one go. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm being serious. I mean, that's so it's a well-trod path. That's a standard thing to go through is as you become a manager, you stop writing code, stop contributing uh, individually, technically. And so that one, you have a lot of supporting evidence to point to, to say, it's not weird that I'm not doing this anymore. Like I can't do all these things. And it's pretty normal to have the manager be less active in development. Sometimes true people or, or teams, I guess, or, or companies get enamored with your development skills and, and feel pain at the idea of you not doing that anymore. So it might trigger some interesting conversations about like, can, can we live without me doing software development as an IC? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then like, okay, then I guess you're not, you're not going to do all these other things. But that's that's like the normal one to give up, I think. That's I'm surprised actually to hear you say that. Or actually, actually, you could try to give up number four, which is the manager. So they make you the manager and you say, great, I have too many jobs. I'm not going to be the manager. I'm, I'll delegate this part to someone else, but still retain the title and everything else. And so you become manager just long enough to get access to the HR systems where you can give yourself a raise yes. and then shed the title. Exactly. Like, you know what? My favorite part of management is the software development. So I'm going to keep doing that stuff and <laughs> leave all the other stuff that I'm not as good at to other people. My second favorite part is where you get to write yourself your own <laughs> salary. <laughs> yeah. That's true, right? If you're on this person's team or if you're this person? If you're this person. Oh. Don't you write your own check when you're a manager? That's what I thought. You can always write your own salary if you believe in the power of positive thinking hard enough. Okay. <laughs> Nothing's stopping you from just writing down $1 trillion <laughs> oh, man. Like on your desk. If you mean to get paid that, then I have not seen that. No. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, they, they give you access to the source code for your payroll system, and then you just add a couple if statements. That's, that's the standard. As long as they're performant enough. Yes. <laughs> 
So you you opted to drop developer and just go full on management. I thought you would go the other direction. I I mean, well, I think Scrum Master is a made up thing. Well, hmm. okay, it's not made up in that it's it's a real thing that people do, and I have not seen value from it in my personal experience. Although I am aware lots of people like it. So I guess you, you haven't seen value from a dedicated person whose title is Scrum Master. Is that what yes, you're saying? Yes, I have not, but I believe it exists. But my my implicit bias is to say like. Well, you actually only have three things <laughs> written, oh. <laughs> written down there, even though you have a list of four things. One of them is made up, so. <laughs> so now you have to contend with three only. Yeah, but this person introduced Scrum, and I assume knows a lot more about Scrum than I do and, and believes in the value of it more than me, a person who says that it is, I guess I just said it's worthless by saying <laughs> the role is made up. I don't know. Look, Jameson, you don't get to be, you don't get to have the word master in your title if it's just made up. Yeah. Fair point. Obviously. All right, I'm convinced. Okay. <laughs> of course, all these titles are made up at, at one level. The problem level. is if it's fake, then not doing that will save you the least amount of time too. Like, True. You're not doing the fake job anymore. Okay. Your life is <laughs> the same. <laughs> the same, right. <laughs> you know, of all this list of the four items here, you know, one of them may be made up. Okay, fine. <laughs> There's one here that to me doesn't fit with the others. And that is product owner. And it may depend on what your definition of product owner is. And I know some people like to split hairs between product owner and product manager. I'm seeing this as product manager. That's the one I would I would ask to have offloaded to someone else, I think. Because you're probably a great developer. You're probably a great functional manager. You know how to lead other developers. And Scrum Master is made up, so you can do that really well. <laughs> but quite frankly... As a developer, you're probably not a great product owner, is my guess. And and I think your potential for being a great product owner for most developers is probably less than being a great at these other roles. I'm assuming that this is a technical product. Like it's it's not the fact that they have asked you a developer to I think I'm reading this as you're already the product owner. Or maybe you yeah. you put yourself in as the product owner as part of Scrum. I think that's a th- Thing, right? Don't you have to? I think that it's product owner is a Scrum term. That's the first first context in which I heard product owner was in either Scrum or XP or one of those agile methodologies. Okay. But either way, I'm I'm assuming that that means it's it's something technical that you have some context on. So it's you're not like the product owner of of like a line of vacuum cleaners or I don't know. Something. Right, right, right. So maybe that makes it easier to have a perspective on it. But I agree. I was assuming that it's not the case. If it is a technical product, I think it might make sense for you to be a product owner more so than otherwise. But now that you point this out, I was in this situation of having three roles, and I guess I had infinite if I wanted to add on fake roles. Okay. <laughs> I was also the the barking dog trainer, and um, <laughs> I I do not feel as badly about Scrum as I'm making it sound. I'm sorry. And product owner was the role I felt like I was the worst at, or product manager, to use a different term. That's the role I felt like, boy, if I had more time, I would be doing more than just the bare minimum of like scrambling to get anything here. Whereas if I wanted to contribute as a developer, I could jump into the code with like an hour or two and do something useful. And I was spending more dedicated time on the functional management stuff. But I did feel the most out of my depth as a product manager. The problem is when I was doing this, it was at an org where product was not valued. It wasn't seen as a valuable role worth investing in or worth spending a bunch of time on. 
mm-hmm. which which brings a lot of follow-on problems, but it also makes it hard to say we need to hire someone for this because the people I'm saying this to are, are saying, but why? It's like you're you're doing why why hire someone if you're already doing it? And me saying, but I'm doing a really bad job at it is not a compelling argument. Yeah. So I think I think I'm agreeing with you and also saying I wonder how easy that would be to offload to someone else. Depend, you're saying depending on the org, it might be hard. It might be hard to offload, yeah, because maybe it's hard to muster up support to hire or or give off or give a product role to someone else. It's also hard because if done well, product roles have a huge influence over what you build. And that's a hard thing to trust to some outside person that you bring in if you're like hiring for this role. You're handing over a lot of the direction of the team to someone else. And that can that can be tough as well. Yeah. So just don't write code, I guess. Okay, back to your answer. I, I think Full that's circle. easier to pull off, even if it might not be the best answer. I mean, I don't know. I felt like I had really good advice and now it's gone. So I think maybe maybe the meta point here is it doesn't actually matter which one you shed. Yeah. Just like get out a dartboard and put four <laughs> pieces of paper on it. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could see that. I mean, it's I feel like there are different subspecialties of engineering manager where some of them combine, I'm trying really hard not to use this stupid Dungeons and Dragons metaphor here about subclassing or, or dual classing, I mean. Oh, I like that. There's there's the engineering manager who is also very involved in project management and, and kind of like keeping the projects running smoothly and status reporting and having people know what to work on and that kind of stuff. There's ones that are still very involved technically as kind of the tech lead slash engineering manager. I think there are also EMs that are product-focused EMs as well. Yep. I haven't seen anyone do all of those at the same time, but I think there is room to say I'm an EM and I also really like to and provide value in this other area. But it probably depends on what your team could do well without you. Okay, so so you're saying take a look at the team, look at what skills exist, take a look at your hiring opportunities, if any, and, and what uh, roles you think your company would support you in hiring for. Put that together and identify the gaps and then step into that gap and be that person. Is that what you're saying? I think I'm saying in general, yeah. In this case, I guess the opposite of like step out of one of these because you, you figure out where someone else could fill in best for you. Right? Like maybe maybe right. the highest value thing for you to do here is to be the functional manager and the scrum master because those are things that your team need the most of and and would do the worst at if you handed them off to the team or something like that. Another thing you should do is ask your team what they're interested in. Because sometimes interest is a good predictor of skill. They're like, oh, I've just always wanted to be a product owner. You know, great. There are developers who want that and wanting it sometimes makes them do a really good job with it. Yeah, that's a good point. Hmm. With a primary role. So can I fit in a quote from high output management here i think i can i'm always on the lookout i guess it's not a quote this is a paraphrase high output management is a great book about management by a person who worked at intel for a long time i think was the ceo yeah. of intel andy grove andy grove intel yeah CEO. Mm-hmm. yeah and it's sort of i guess now might, might be kind of old school ish it's not part of the new wave of engineering management books that have come out in the past few years but it is great and one of the points that andy makes in the book is that the output of a manager is the output of their team and the output of organizations around them that they're kind of peers with. So I think this agrees with the meta point I was making earlier that like, what will make your team have the most output? Focus on those things as as your own kind of leverage points. Right. 
maybe for you that is developer and functional manager. Like maybe that's where they need the most help. Yeah. And so that's where, you're, where you will provide the most value. So at the end of the day, it depends. It's do the thing that will be the best. I think that's what I'm yes. saying. Obviously. Think about the thing that would be right and then do that thing. Perfect. I think we've, we've just answered all questions in the future, I guess. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So I guess we're done with the show forever. <laughs> Maybe that can be the new motto, especially if you can't quit your job and get a new one as easily anymore. It's like it's it's just do, do what's best for yeah, your think, circumstances. Think about the thing that's right and then do that thing. <laughs> think out the right thing to do and then do it. Perfect. It's less catchy than quit your job and get a new one. Yeah. <laughs> less catchy, harder to apply. Harder to do easier to quit your job and get a new one than figure out the right thing and then do it sometimes <laughs> yeah exactly okay well any other wisdom to add to this question Dave I got nothing I'm all tapped out I have some but I want to save it to not seem like I'm showing <laughs> off <laughs> you're so humble it's amazing <laughs> what can people do if they want their own questions answered Dave Go to softskills.audio and click the Ask a Question button. And as always, we want to say a heartfelt thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all the questions that come in every week. We love you. We love your questions. And thank you for keeping them coming. Thank you. We will catch you next week. Bye.